Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Good? Yeah. All right. Well, today, I want to get started today with a little, uh, what do you call it? Like a show of hands, okay? So just a quick show of hands. I'm wondering how many of you are like me in this way. I certainly feel this way. This is true for me. And as I've been thinking about it, I was like, I wonder if I'm the only one or if other people feel this too. But a quick show of hands. How many of you feel like summer flies by? Raise your hand. Yeah, okay. I think the vast majority of us would say we feel like summer flies by. And again, I'm certainly in that group. Now, I don't know for sure, but as I've been thinking about this, I have a theory. And my theory is that we feel this more strongly here in Wisconsin than people who live down south, right? <laughs> And, and that's not a knock on Wisconsin. I love where we live. I love our community. I don't want to be anywhere other than where we are. But I think we must feel this more strongly than people who live in the South because in the South, their spring gets really warm and their fall stays really warm. So I have to imagine that it feels like summer stretches into both of those seasons and it feels like they have a longer season of summer. And so for us, because spring is so short and because fall is so short, sometimes I feel like we go from one one winter right into the next winter. Don't you feel that way? Yeah. And in fact, there was a scene in one of my favorite movies that I think illustrates really well what the time in between winters feels like when you live in Wisconsin. Take a look at this. And it's over. <laughs> right? Isn't that what it feels like? Don't you feel like sometimes like Memorial Day is like the start and you're down in the blocks as a sprinter like on the track team and like when, when Memorial Day is over, it's like the gun has gone off and bang, you are off to the races and suddenly your kids are out of school and when your kids are out of school, if you have school-age kids, you know everything changes and everything picks up and even if you don't have school-age kids any longer or yet then you still see those kids everywhere and you're like where did all these kids come from <laughs> and then june is funny because june is one of those months where it's like in wisconsin you have some days that are 95 degrees and you're melting and you hate it and your body shuts down because it doesn't know what to do with the heat because it's been like 300 plus days since it felt heat like that and then you have other days in june that are like 50 and raining and you're just kind of mad if you're honest because you're like this is my summer come on weather <laughs> right and then all of a sudden it's the 4th of July and you have parades and fireworks and street fairs and, and barbecues and you try to pack in as much of that stuff as you possibly can. But then in July, something, something happens. In July, we settle into the fact that it's summer, right? In July, we go, okay, it's summer. Summer's here. This is great. I'm enjoying it. And then right in the middle of that, we do something crazy, Right when everything gets perfect in Wisconsin in July, what do we do? We leave. 
We go on vacation out of the state. Why do we do that in July? Why do we wait till everything is perfect here to decide now I'm going to leave and I'm going to go some other place where it's actually too hot? Why do we do this to ourselves? And then you come back and your kids have all their fall practices, getting ready for their sports that happen in the fall, and you're running them around constantly. Plus, on top of everything that you want to get done, you have to try to get done what they want to get done. And then you've got family coming in from out of town who want to see you, and so that takes up some of your weekends, and some of your weekends you have to go and see them, and you have to visit them. And then on top of all of that, you've, you've got to get up to the camp family cabin a couple of times over the course of the summer, and then you got to get out on the boat a couple weekends, because if you don't get out on the boat at all over the course of summer, it's like, well, why do we even have it? And your spouse is going to be like, it's time to sell that thing, and you're like, I don't want to sell it. And then you got to go camping, because you love telling people that you love the outdoors, and if you don't go camping at all over the course of the summer, you become Jess Conley, and you just have to own the fact that you actually hate everything outside in nature. <laughs> then, all of a sudden, you realize that it's almost Labor Day. you got to get your last hurrahs in, and so you get your last hurrahs in, your kids go back to school, you like look around, everything's like changed, and you're like, what just happened? And if that isn't enough to make you feel at least a little bit stressed about how fast summer goes by, let me just make one more point to push you over the limit. Did you know that there are 92 days in June, July, and August? 92 days is the entirety of what most of us would consider summer. Well, today is June 12th, which means June is almost half over already. It's gone. And that means starting today, you only have 80 days left in summer. And I promise you, those 80 days will fly by. And so what I want to do today, what I want to do this morning, is I want to simply help you get the most you possibly can out of this summer. That's where I want to go with this today. I want to help you get to the end of August and feel like, okay, that went fast, but I was intentional with it. I slowed down a little bit. I soaked it up maybe a little bit more than I otherwise would have. I want you to get to the end of August and feel like I did summer this year right. Because I'm like you, and I live in the same world you do, and I have the same schedule you do. I have been thinking about this for myself personally over the last month or so, trying to think ahead of how, how I could get the most out of this summer. And so a couple weeks ago, when I was preparing for the teaching that I did down at Bratfest, two weeks ago when we went down to Bratfest together, I was reading something in that passage where we looked at the story of Jesus miraculously giving this man Bartimaeus the ability to see, and there was something in that passage that jumped out at me, and I was like, this is it. This is the secret, like right here. This is how you get the most out of summer. And so that's what I want to share with you today, which is actually something that I don't think I've ever done before. In, in 18 years of ministry, I don't think I've ever taught on the exact same passage and just looked at two different things in like back-to-back -back teachings. So today, I want us to actually look at the exact same passage that's recorded in Mark chapter 10 that we looked at two weeks ago down at Bratfest. But today, I want to look at a different component or a different aspect of the story. I want to highlight a different section, which is one of the things that's so wonderful about reading the Bible, that you can read the exact same passage over and over and over again and God, through his Holy Spirit, will reveal and say different things to you each time. And so today, I want us to live that out by reading the same passage that we read two weeks ago and to, as we simply remind ourselves what a gift it is to have the living word of God. Would you please just stand to your feet as I read Mark 10? 
This is Mark 10, beginning in verse 46. We'll read down to verse 52. But there we read, Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And here it is, What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity to do this, to dig into your word and to set time aside to fix our thoughts on you and to ask you to speak into our life. And so, Lord, over the next little bit of time that we have gathered together this morning, we pray that you would do exactly that, that you would speak into our lives as only you can, and that we would walk out of here having heard from you, the one true living God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and everybody who agreed said, amen. All right, you can have a seat. Just a little bit of background. At this point in Mark's gospel, Jesus and his followers were headed to Jerusalem, he was headed there for what would prove to be the final week of his life. Jesus was going to Jerusalem knowing full well that he was about to be arrested and crucified. But before they got to Jerusalem, they had to first pass through the town of Jericho. This is where they were when Bartimaeus, who was blind and begging by the side of the road, began to cry out to Jesus. Of course, as we just read, Jesus stopped, called him to him. And when Bartimaeus gets to Jesus, Jesus simply asks him this question, what do you want me to do for you? He wanted to know, what do you want? Now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I want to raise the question again and have you just simply stop and think for a second about why would Jesus ask Bartimaeus what he wanted? Why would Jesus ask when it was so obvious of course, Jesus knew what, what Bartimaeus wanted, but he still asked him, what is it that you want? Why would he ask him? Of course, we can't know for sure, but I think it's because he wanted Bartimaeus to verbalize externally what was inside his heart internally. I think he wanted Bartimaeus to take decades of begging by the side of the road. He wanted Bartimaeus to take everything that came with it, everything that was like the culmination of his life. He wanted Bartimaeus to take decades of hunger and literal thirst. He wanted Bartimaeus to take decades of fear and anxiety and, and poverty and shame. He wanted Bartimaeus to take all of those things, all of those mixed up emotions, and he wanted Bartimaeus to boil it down to what it was that he really ultimately wanted. While Bartimaeus was probably thinking, I want everything in my life to change, Jesus wanted him to identify what is it that's at the core that you really want. He wanted Bartimaeus to own his own desire. And I think he wanted Bartimaeus, 
He wanted to see if Bartimaeus wanted it badly enough that he was willing to stand up in front of a crowd of people and pronounce it publicly. So notice that getting what he wanted began with Bartimaeus identifying what he wanted. That's good, right? Yeah. Bartimaeus getting what he wanted began with him identifying what he wanted. So let me ask you this morning. What do you want? What do you want? As it relates to summers in Wisconsin, what do you want from this summer? You've got 80 days left. What do you want from the next 80 days? When you get through the next 11 weeks and you turn the page on the calendar that hangs in your family's kitchen and the month at the top says September, what is it that you want to be true for the previous 80 days that will have just ended? The secret to getting what you want out of this summer begins with identifying what it is that you want from this summer. So let me bless you by asking you the question while you still have time to do something about it. What do you want from this summer? Another show of hands. Uh, how many people have ever watched the TV show Jeopardy? If you've seen Jeopardy, let me see it. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think all of us have, even if you don't love the show, you've probably watched it or you're familiar with the concept of the show. Um, I have mixed emotions about Jeopardy. Because most of the time when I watch Jeopardy, it just makes me feel dumb, right? <laughs> and I think to myself, who has the, enough time to read this many books on colonial America, right? Ain't nobody got time for that. That's what I think to myself. But then inevitably, they ask a question that I do know the answer to. This man invented the cotton gin. And I'm like, oh, oh, who is, who is Eli Whitney? Who is Eli Whitney, right? And I say it so fast, like I, like I just like blurts out of me because I want the people in the room to know that I knew before the people on the TV show had said it, right? Like I knew it before they did. I said it. You saw that I said it. And at that point, I'm loving the show. I turn to my kids and I'm like, I love this show. It's such a great show. You guys probably hate it because you're all dumb, but I, I, I could be a contestant, you know? This is how I feel about Jeopardy. So it's like mixed emotions, right? But the thing that makes Jeopardy unique among game shows is that, you know, the question isn't really a question, right? Like, the question is an answer. And they, the prompt they give you is the answer, and they want you to respond. The person who gets the points is the person who comes up with the right question to the answer that they've been given. My point is, I think that most people are living the answers to questions they have never asked. I think most people are living a life that is answering questions they have never stopped to ask. We will all spend our lives pursuing a variety of things. But if we don't stop and ask ourselves what it is that we want to pursue, we risk getting to the end of our life and going, why did I spend all of my life pursuing those things? Like, that's not even what I wanted. So I think we have to ask the right questions if we want to live out the right answers. And as I've spent the last few weeks praying and processing over this for myself and what, what I want from this summer, I've come to the realization that I think there are at least a few different levels to what I would, uh, how I would answer this. I think there are, are at least what I'm calling a few different levels to how to ask this question. And so what I want to do in the rest of the time that we have together this morning is simply walk through those levels, the different levels, the depth of these questions, right? 
The first level that I think we have to ask would simply be what other people want for you. So the question is, what do other people want for you this summer? You might not have ever really identified this or thought about it this way before, but pretty much everybody has an agenda for your summer. Think about it. Your health club wants you to work out more. Your golfing buddies want you to spend more time playing golf. Hollywood wants you to go see more movies. Musicians want you to catch up on all of the concerts you didn't hear over the last couple of years. National parks and beach resorts all want you to visit. Your neighbor would like you to mow more. Your kids want you to be ready to drop everything and run them wherever they need to go at a moment's notice. And your boss wants you to stay just as productive as you are the rest of the year like nothing has changed. Everyone has an agenda for your summer, even your own mom. But if you spend your summer trying to do all the things everyone else wants you to do, you will never get from this summer what you want. Even social media tries to tell you what your summer should look like. And if you listen to it, you'll spend the next three months trying to get your body ready for vacation. You'll search high and low, shopping high and low for the perfect clothes to wear while you're on vacation. And then you'll spend that vacation trying to get the perfect beach photo for you to post online. <laughs> Beyond traveling when you get home, it seems like the next biggest priority social media has for your summer is to eat a lot of meals at restaurants that have patio seating. And some of you, if you're honest with yourself, have to admit that you're tempted to spend the next three months trying to fill your Facebook or Instagram feeds in a way that will keep up with the other people around you while you scroll through theirs thinking, gosh, it looks like they're living the perfect summer. Really what social media seems to want for you is to be able to go to all the coolest places and buy all the greatest stuff without ever having to go to work. Sometimes I scroll through social media, I think to myself, does no one have a job anymore? Like, does nobody work during the summer? How does everybody have all the free time to do this stuff? Again, everyone has an agenda for your summer. And one of the reasons that some of you feel so tired and worn out heading into this summer thinking, I need a break, is because you've been spending so much time and energy trying to pursue what everyone else wants for you. But ultimately, that's not the way God designed you to live. Notice that Jesus never asked Bartimaeus, what do other people want for you, Bartimaeus? He didn't ask that. So let's think about our summer on a better level. Let's take it to a deeper level. Let's take it to what I would call level two. Level two would be simply asking the question, what do you want from this summer? What do you want? If you could decide one or two things that you would accomplish over the course of this summer, what would it be? Do you want to have as much fun as possible? Do you want to make some memories with your family? Do you want to learn a new activity like pickleball or paddleboarding or mountain biking? Maybe what you want the most out of summer really has nothing to do with summer-related activities. Maybe what you want most from the next three months would be to get out of debt or to break a bad habit, or to improve your marriage. So again, let me ask, what do you want? I want to encourage you to take some time this week to think about how you would answer that question. What is it really that I want from the next three months? It's such an important question to answer, because once you identify what it is that you want, the steps you need to take in order to achieve that become pretty obvious. 
Once you know what you want, you'll know almost right away how to allocate your time and your money and your energy in a way that will help move you towards getting what it is that you want. You'll be able to own the fact that your yard's just going to look a little shaggy this summer, but that's okay because having the perfect lawn is not what you want from this summer. Now, if you live in my neighborhood, maybe don't let it get too long, but you know what I'm saying. I, I give you some grace. But you'll know how to spend your summer once you know what it is that you want. So let me ask a follow-up question to this as well. Let me ask the question, how badly do you want it? Or what are you willing to give up in order to get that or to achieve that? You might say today, I'd like to get out of debt. But do you want it badly enough that you'll buy the cheap sunglasses instead of the expensive ones? Or better yet, just wear the same sunglasses you've had for the last few years? Do you want it badly enough that you'll let go of trying to keep up with your friends and their summer activities? Do you want it badly enough that you'll begin tithing on your income and honoring God and inviting him to be part of your your finances? You might say that you want a promotion at work by the end of summer. But do you want it badly enough to get up early and to beat everybody in? Do you want it badly enough that you'll stay late when everybody else is skipping out for a happy hour? Do you want it badly enough that you'll spend your summer taking that online course, sharpening your skills so that you're more productive? If not, do you really want that? Because when you want something badly enough, you'll do things you wouldn't normally do. Right? When you want something badly enough, you will do things that you would not normally do. I think the best illustration of this that I can think of is when we're dating, right? When we're dating and we want a relationship with somebody, we're willing to do things that we wouldn't normally do. Uh, This is certainly true for me. I remember in college when I first met Ashley and we started to date, she asked me to do something called a human video on stage during a Campus Crusade for Christ worship night. I had never heard of a human video before, uh, so I had no idea what that was. What I quickly learned was that it's basically a bunch of people doing a really dramatic choreographed dance to a worship song, and I guess they were really big in the 90s, just not where I come from. (laughs) And so while it might not seem like it sometimes while I'm up here, I actually am a very shy guy. I actually do not enjoy the spotlight. I don't like being the center of attention. So there was like nothing in me that wanted to get up in front of a thousand of my college, like, student, you know, peers and do this thing called a human video. But when Ashley asked me if I wanted to do it, and after she explained to me what it was, you know what I said? I said, absolutely, that sounds so much fun. (laughs) Right? I lied, but I was falling in love. And so I did it. Actually, I made a buddy of mine do it with me. And I tell you what, man, we jumped and danced and skipped around like we were auditioning for a Broadway musical. We owned it. (laughs) Right? But the only reason I was willing to do a human video in front of a thousand college students was because I knew what I wanted, and that was a relationship with Ashley Bankard. Now she's my wife, so it paid off. (laughs) So, again, let me ask you what is it that you want, and how badly do you want it? Now, I do think that there is one more level to this, an even deeper level that we can take the question to. This is what I would call level three. And level three would be asking the question, what does God want for you this summer? Think for just a moment about this question. What do you think God wants for you this summer? This is where some of you start to feel really nervous. 
because you think I'm gonna say what God wants for you is to be a better Christian, right? This is where you think that I'm gonna say what God wants for you is to make sure that you're at Heartland every Sunday morning over the course of the summer. And then in addition to that, you need to spend every morning praying and reading the Bible, and he wants you to spend most of your summer serving other people and giving your time and your money away. You think what I'm going to say, you're getting nervous, that what I'm going to say is that God wants you to do a better job following the rules. But if that's what comes to mind, when you ask yourself the question, what does God want from me this summer or for me this summer? If that's what comes to mind, I have good news for you. Jesus did not say, I have come that you might follow the rules. What did he say in John 10, 10? He said, I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. The Barna Group did a study recently where they found that the biggest challenge to helping people grow spiritually is the fact that most people equate spiritual growth with trying hard to follow the, the rules in the Bible. It's no wonder then that people also said they don't feel very motivated to pursue their own spiritual growth. That makes sense. Because if you think God's aim is to produce a bunch of rule followers, then spiritual growth will always feel like an obligation rather than something you'll want for yourself. But look at what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. In Galatians 3, he says, Rule keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith, but it only perpetuates itself into more and more rule keeping. So what God wants for you and for your summer is not a laundry list of chores that you're going to struggle to keep up with. Again, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. Abundance means more than enough. It means extra. It means excess. So what God wants for you this summer is for you to experience deeply satisfying, joy-filled life in excess. That's what he wants for you. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that everything will go perfectly, that your summer will, will go without any difficulty. The abundant life that Jesus promised us and that Jesus wants for you this summer does not mean a life that is perfectly problem-free. I mean, his own life illustrated this for us, that the abundant life that is so good can have pain and difficulty in the middle of it. Despite the fact that he was literally the son of God, what God wanted for Jesus included the cross. And while Jesus was fully God, he was also fully human. And so you can imagine the agony of knowing that's what you're walking into as you pass through Jericho on your way into Jerusalem. Of course Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. Of course he had hoped that there would be some other way, some solution to the problem of sin separating humanity from their, from their heavenly father that did not include his torture and death. And so Jesus knelt down in the garden of Gethsemane and he pleaded with God, Lord, please do it some other way. But look at what he also prayed as he thought about what he wanted and as he thought about what God wanted. Mark 14, 36, he says, Abba, Father, Jesus cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. And here it is, yet 
I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus knew exactly what he wanted. He wanted to not go to the cross. But what he wanted even more was for his life to unfold according to God's will and not his own will. Because Jesus recognized that despite how it feels in the moment, the best way to live our lives and our summers will always be in the center of God's perfect will. Ultimately, asking what God the Father wanted, let Jesus pay the penalty for sin and conquer death once and for all on behalf of all mankind. And choosing God's will for your own life over your will and what you want will also always prove in the end to be the best way to live. You have 80 days left in summer. I want you to make the most of them. You want to make the most of them because you cannot get them back. In a few short months, summer will fade into fall and the kids will go back to school and everything will change and there will be a different feeling and a different culture in the air. And that's okay. Fall brings some wonderful things with it. But carpe diem, let's seize the day today. What do other people want from you this summer? Who cares? It doesn't matter what anybody else wants for your summer. What do you want from this summer? I think you should spend some time thinking about how you would answer that question. I think that's what the, the, the story of Jesus and Bartimaeus illustrates. But then I want to encourage you to take it to an even deeper level and to spend some time asking God what he would like for you, for you this summer. Because whatever it is, however it looks at first, I promise you it will be good in the end. So don't be afraid to ask. Let's live intentionally because this summer is going to go fast. Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, we stand at the beginning of a new season. And in our culture, the next 80 days will absolutely fly by. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to process what is in our own heart, what is in our own spirit that we want. I pray that we would identify what it is that we want truly the worst, the most, the best. And then, Lord, I pray that you would help us to take steps to move in that direction but through it all, I pray that you would also give us the courage to take our desires a step deeper. And just like Jesus did, to ask what you want. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to submit our will to you and to choose your will over ours. Lord, would this summer be the best summer we've ever lived? And would it be so incredibly glorifying to you that other people would look at us and how we live over the next 80 days and they would, they would go, something's different about them and the way that they live. What is it? And Lord, I pray that would be an open door to tell them about Jesus. So Lord, take this summer and do with it what you will. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone who agreed said, amen.